always hear my girlfriend say, you know, oh, but they were so good in the beginning. It's like, yeah, of course <laughs> they were. Everybody is good in the beginning. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. We have a very exciting guest and I think conversation today. I think that some of our Shandies might find this topic a little surprising for us, but it's actually come up a lot over the years. And I think even the word manifesting has sort of infiltrated our daily speak nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I do want to ask you about that as well, Roxy. But before we introduce Roxy formally, she is a self-development coach and manifesting expert. And she's been named the manifesting queen by Forbes and the face of manifesting by the times. I mean... This is pretty impressive this stuff. This is where you go for manifesting. <laughs> yeah, we've gone to the source for manifesting. She is the <laughs> author of Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life. And we're just so excited. Roxy Nafusi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Very sweet. Okay, so before we start picking your brain about manifesting what it is, we want to get to know you a bit. Tell us a bit about your background and what motivated you to write a book about manifesting. Yeah, so I, um, you know, for the first, I would say I'm 32 now. And for the first 28 27 years of my life, truly all I had known was unhappiness. Um, I grew up in Iraqi, in Oxford. And so from the earliest memories, kind of always felt like an outsider. I actually changed my name from Rowan to Roxy when I was 12, just an attempt to like reject who I was. Mm. And that kind of rejection of myself really continued throughout my teens. And when I turned 20, I found cocaine and alcohol, and that became my escape. And I quickly formed an addiction, which I was in a battle with for the next seven, eight years. And, you know, chain smoking and living a very um, hedonistic, toxic life, lifestyle. And at the heart of all of that, at the heart of the addiction, was paralyzing low self-worth, um, absolutely no career at all, no prospects, no motivation. Um, I really had nothing. And I had hit many, many rock bottoms. Um, And after one of them, I remember calling my friend and it was May, 2018, 20, yeah, yeah, May, 2018. And I said to her, look, Sophia, I'm totally lost and I just feel hopeless my life is never ever going to change and I don't know how to continue and she said you know you should listen to this podcast on manifesting and like many people I had a misconception around manifesting and my friend as well Sophia she's quite like an ethereal princess and (laughs) to be honest I she she's into angels and all this stuff that for me was very out there and I was like but fuck it, I'll try anything at this point because <laughs> I'm so lost, give it to me. So I listened to this podcast on manifesting and I realized really quickly that manifesting was all about self-worth. That was a, the, the, the foundations of it was about your self-worth. And I went home and I started researching everything I could. And two weeks later, 
a guy called Wade messaged me on a dating app called Raya on the 7th of June, 2018. And a year to the day on the 7th of June, 2019, our baby boy Wolf was born. And it's been only four years since then. And I can truly say that my life has transformed in every way imaginable. And I, I, from the bottom of my heart, have manifestation to thank for it. And it's, it's an honor for me every time I get to share, you know, how I feel about this practice and what I think manifestation really means. Okay, my goodness. Oh. I have many questions based on that. But just right off the bat, <laughs> did you ever contact the podcast host or whoever was talking about manifesting question. in that podcast episode? I'm just curious. No, I haven't actually. I should. It was um, Love Alexi. Okay. I mean, I feel like you must. You've got a bond. So this is Love Alexi's first plug for manifesting. (laughs) Shame on you. No, I I honestly tell everyone who asks. Um, But yeah, it was like a January 2017 episode with Lacey Phillips. Okay, lovely. Okay, well, I feel like you guys have to meet one day. I'm like investing in this now. (laughs) Okay, so we're all on the same page. Could you define what manifesting is and this is a two-part question because you talk about it being this meeting of wisdom and science in your book. Can you also explain the science part of it? Yes. So um, manifesting is using the power of your mind to change and create the reality you experience. And for me, it really is a self-development practice. And so when people, I mean, I'll talk, I'll talk about that later, but for me, it's self-development practice. And that's really important to remember from the science point of view. I mean, there's two parts of it. One is neuroscience and the other is quantum physics and quantum physics is just the study of and atoms, right? It's this, you know, the study of the sub, you know, I can't remember the fucking word. Subatomic particles. Subatomic particles, right? Thank you so much. Say that three times fast. I love Andy. He's really excited. That was his time to shine. Yeah, I was waiting for it. That was my moment. Thank you so much. (laughs) And so we know that everything in the universe is energy, and we know that um, you know everything has a different vibrational frequency, and that what differentiates us from the sky above us or from the chair we're sat on is the density and the frequency of the vibrational Mm. vibration of the atoms. And so we know that energy exists and that actually thoughts and feelings have different energetic frequencies as well. And so you get high vibrational frequencies such as love, acceptance, peace, gratitude, and you get low vibrational frequencies such as envy, shame, anger, guilt. And I think anecdotally, we've all, we all feel this. Okay. We, we can know this from the way that we feel when we're in that low vibrational frequency, when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling upset, when we're feeling frustrated, um, usually has a knock-on effect to what to what happens to us that day. And that might be defined by the law of attraction, which is that like attracts like. And the same when we're feeling instead, you know, full of gratitude and appreciation, full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of contentment. We're operating at a completely different vibrational frequency and therefore we're more likely to attract abundance back into our lives. Mm-hmm. From a neuroscience point of view, really what happens is when you, manifesting is about making your goals, reaching your goals, making them happen. When you visualize your goals repeatedly by visual rehearsal, the subconscious parts of our brain starts to prime itself to reach that goal. And so you start to filter out unwanted information and seek out opportunities that are in line with 
this visualization or with this goal. And so what will happen is let's say that you keep visualizing this job promotion or, you know, a new, a new job, whatever it is, what you might find is that suddenly you notice this ad or you hear someone over talk, you know, talking about it, maybe 10 meters away from you because your subconscious is looking out for it and it's doing the work for you. Um, and, you know, there are many athletes that use visual rehearsal and, you know, you listen to a lot of like CEOs, singers, you know, very successful people and they'll use visualization as part of their, you know, toolbox to achieve, you know, whatever it is they're going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, no, you have heard that. Do you? Okay, I have a lot of questions based on that. But you touched a bit on, you know, your perception of manifesting when you were first told by your friend Sophia to listen to this podcast episode. In that vein, what do you think are the most common misconceptions around manifesting? Great question. And I love that question. <laughs> Great. So <laughs> there's, there's two big ones, I think. The first one is that manifesting is about visualization and that's it. Mm. So you can think about what you want really hard, keep thinking about it, and then eventually it's going to appear. And I see that especially with the kind of Gen Z generation. They'll always go, you know, I'm going to manifest passing my exams. And I'm like, you still have to revise. (laughs) You still have to do the work. And actually manifesting isn't a passive experience. It is so much about it. it is it's not magic okay it feels magical but it's not magic it is it's not about you can't wish your way to anything you can't think your way anywhere it really is about applying yourself it's about taking action stepping outside your comfort zone i mean all that you're really doing is making yourself so empowered that you are making it happen hmm. so i think what you know the biggest misconception is that visualizing it is enough So the second misconception I think about manifesting is that it's a ritual. And, you know, I've done so many interviews on manifestation. And one thing I often get asked is, you know, so how should someone start or, you know, what should they do every day to manifest? What's this? What's the ritual? And I really am here to try to explain to people that it isn't a ritual. It's not something you can practice for 20 minutes before bed and then that's it. You know, that's your manifesting done. Manifesting is a way of living. And I think that my seven steps and and when people read the book, they really do start to understand that because it's not about just meditating or repeating your mantras or journaling. It's about, you know, some of the things we mentioned earlier. It's about that taking action. It's about stepping outside your comfort zone. It's about embracing gratitude. It's about turning your envy into inspiration. That It's such a full practice. And that's why I love it so much. But yeah, it's not something you do. It's a way of living. Mm. It's funny you say that because one of the questions, it was like a sub question other mm. under the definition someone did ask. Because we are we always poll our listeners whenever we have hot topic guests on like yourself. And oh, we, I love that. Yeah. So we're like, ask us questions. We we don't tell them who the guest is. It's all top secret yeah. until we reveal the episode. But so we asked our listeners, the Shandies, their mm. questions on manifesting. And this came up a lot is what's the difference between manifesting and just wishful thinking? And mm. so I love that you talked on that about how it's not actually a passive thing, even though I feel like in today's jargon, it kind of has become that. And actually, right. I have a question for you. Do you think that the term manifesting is overused today? One thousand percent. That was so a softball. 
The problem is when something becomes a trend, and clearly this has become a trend, like there's 8 billion TikTok um, uses of the word manifest on TikTok at the moment I read wow. the other day. Oh my goodness. It's insane. And the thing is when something becomes a tr- trend and when a word becomes so overused, it completely devalues the practice. Right. Mm. And even I hear people using it and I just, I kind of cringe a bit because I'm like, oh, like I don't, I, w- I don't want to not do it justice because it's such an incredible life-changing practice that's so rooted in, you know, like you said, philosophy, science, wisdom. Um, it's a, it just, it means so much to me. So that's why I get extra, you know, it just means that I've got more motivation to come and talk about it. <laughs> Go on as many podcasts as possible. It's funny you say that because when we did ask our listeners, we always like film a little video where I'm like, we're talking about, and then Andy is like manifesting. And then we yeah. wanted, we were going to have Andy say, so manifest some questions about manifesting first. But then we were like, but wait a minute, that's not like having read your book, it's not what it's about. And I, we didn't want to like further the misconception. But it's funny, like even people in the comments were like, I want to manifest knowing where your dress is from in this video. Uh, <laughs> just ask. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a slippery slope. Okay, so for anyone listening who knows absolutely nothing about manifesting, but they've heard you speak and they're like, man, I want some of that. Can you give, obviously the book is the best place to go, but a step-by-step, you know, abridged guide on just how to get started. Mm-hmm. Someone listening to this is like, I want, I want to try this today. Mm-hmm. What would you tell them? Okay. This is my hardest question. This is my <laughs> hardest question because it's so, uh, and buy the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm my best, I'm my best sales Number person. one, buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> number one, buy the book. Number it's two, buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, when I said at the beginning that the first secret I had is that um, we manifest from what we subconsciously believe we deserve. And so I think for anybody that's listening and that's thinking about the things they want, firstly, you have to obviously get that clarity, getting that clarity of what you want to manifest into your life and how you want your life to look and more importantly, feel a year from now. And so you might start to think to yourself, okay, a year from now in my career, in my personal life, um, with my home, with my relationships, with how I feel about myself, um, paint that picture. You know, what are the things you want in those areas of your life? How do you want to feel within them? And by that, I mean, okay, in your relationships, do you want to feel really secure and respected and loved? And in your job, do you want to feel motivated or challenged or that you have more responsibility so really getting that clear picture is of course the first step and then the second thing to do and this is this is you know step two of my book remove fear and doubt is understand what currently is blocking you from having that because the blocks in your life right now are all rooted in your insecurities low self-worth limiting beliefs and having that self-awareness is the only you know, is the only place that you can begin to apply change. Mm. And so what I ask people to do is to look at the things that they want to manifest and then do a really honest kind of journaling exercise with themselves and say, okay, what now are my limiting beliefs or my fears and doubts surrounding me having this? Because that's the only way that you can begin that healing journey to to remove those blocks. So you might say, okay, I want to manifest a new partner. It's just such an easy example. I want to manifest a new partner and I want to feel all these ways within the relationship. And this is the kind of person I want to attract. And then ask yourself, 
do you feel worthy of that yet? And if not, why not? Where, where What is that negative voice telling you? And where does where do you feel that that comes up? And how can you begin that healing journey and that journey towards um, understanding that you are worthy of love and that you are deserving? And that is absolutely an ongoing process. And that really is why this is a self-development practice. Because as you two know, I'm sure, inner healing is not done overnight. It is you know, it's never ending really. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first heard people say that, I would be like, what? Like, what's the point then? You know, I really <laughs> didn't understand. I was like, if you're never done with it. Um, but you know, <laughs> that's how I feel about exercise. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, um, this is just forever. Yeah, I'm waiting for that exercise pill. <laughs> they, they keep working on it. <laughs> but you know, what happens is that with every layer that you you know, peel off and with every piece of healing that you you do and with every step in the journey that you take, you uncover this freedom and liberation and abundance and and, and a new version of your life. So, um, so yeah, I think firstly, understanding what you want, getting clarity around it, and then just being really honest with yourself about what's currently blocking you. But then there's so many other steps. And <laughs> it's, it is, I would honestly be here for an hour trying to summarize. But for anyone listening, I would say that is the first step. Like don't even, and I think it's important for people to hear that because it's not me saying, okay, the first step is do a vision board and then do some gratitude practices. Mm-hmm. And actually those things are amazing and they'll support your manifesting journey. But until you understand where your insecurities are and what, what limiting beliefs are really stopping you, then nothing's going to change. Mm, great answer. Loved that. In your book, you touched a bit on imposter syndrome, which is certainly mm. something I suffer from. And it is, I, I can understand why that is chapter two, because your chapter mm. one is be clear in your vision, but chapter two, right off the bat, you're like fear and doubt because yeah. chances are that's, mm. that is up, up near the top of the list. So Charlene, when you think of frozen meals, do you get excited? Not usually because I feel like all frozen meals have a frozen meal taste. Do you get excited about Daily Harvest? I do get excited about Daily Harvest because it doesn't have that frozen meal taste. No, it does not. It's actually crazy how fresh something frozen can taste. It's not your parents' frozen dinners. No. In fact, Daily Harvest freezes their ingredients at peak ripeness. Mm -hmm. So it preserves all of that freshness. And I swear you can taste it. It's weird how fresh it tastes. Yeah. You know, like vegetables when they've been frozen and then they're defrosted they have this like mushy. the soul has been sucked yes out of them. with daily harvest it's somehow still got that bite that crunch of freshness yeah the freshness is frozen in time <laughs> also we cannot talk about daily harvest and not quickly touch on the convenience factor because there are days where you don't want to cook and you don't have ingredients in the fridge and you're busy working or whatever mm. and you're like I need to eat something. I don't even want to order in. Well, that that gets really expensive too. Sure. But also it can take time. There's nothing like just pulling something out of your freezer and putting it in the oven or on the stove and it's done in five, 10 minutes. It's ready to go. This is major. It's major. I feel like the busier I get, the more I appreciate things like this. And just one more thing I want to mention because this really matters to me. Daily Harvest supports farmers that invest in biodiversity and improve the health of our soil and their packaging is recyclable or compostable wherever possible. So not only do you have quick meals that are easy to eat and healthy and fresh, but you feel good about yourself. (laughs) About yourself. Most importantly. (laughs) You pat yourself on the back for all the hard work you're doing. (laughs) Saving the planet one frozen meal at a time. (laughs) 
You deserve one less thing to worry about. Let Daily Harvest take care of the fruits and veggies for you. Go to dailyharvest.com slash shandy to get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash shandy for up to $40 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash shandy. Okay, Mm -hmm. so not to make it about me some more, but so number (laughs) one is be clear in your vision. So Mm -hmm. I am someone who tends to be past oriented. And I think we both kind of are, actually. We had an Enneagram expert on, and apparently like different numbers are some people are past-oriented, present-oriented, and future-oriented. So for me, I tend to let my fear of regret dictate a lot of my decision-making. And Mm. thus, I have always struggled to envision like even my ideal future. I don't know Mm. what it is. Like I had a girlfriend, it was really cute actually. She sent a group text to a bunch of her friends being like, just in this group chat, share some photos of what you want your life to look like in five years. Like they could be from Pinterest of of other people, Mm. but you know, just your ideal life in five years. And a lot of people, you know, put in photos and it was the first time I was ever really faced with this idea that like, oh my God, I don't even know. So for someone like me, and I know a lot of our listeners are like me in this, I think that's why they listen to this podcast, but I'm wondering if you have any tips for me and just us who struggle to even know what that ideal future looks like. I know that's a big ask, what I've just asked you. No, I think it's a really common problem. Um, like, how do I know what I want? And, and, and some people are very, you know, we're all different. Some people just know they are so clear and they're so goal orientated and other people just aren't. And that's okay. And so I think the first thing for someone like you who is struggling is rather than focusing on what it looks like, focus on the feelings. Mm. So it's much, it can be much easier to say, okay, I know that I want to feel more confident in myself. I want to feel more empowered. I want to feel, um, you know, like I have excitement in my life and then work backwards. Okay, what kind of things in your life already make you feel like that? Mm. Or what kind of things you can start, I always say like set that as your kind of like main pillars and then allow your subconscious to start searching for things that you think, You might hear a conversation between friends and think, and they're talking about their new job or a new project they're working on go, oh, that actually sounds really exciting and something that could really motivate me. And that might link back to one of the, you know, core feelings that you've said you want to manifest into your life. So understanding how you want to feel can be one step. But the other one, um, the other kind of little exercise I like to do is to say, look back on your some of your happiest memories, like pick three or four memories where you just felt so content, like, wow, they were just beautiful times. And look at who was around you. What were you doing? What were the things that were bringing you that feeling of contentment? And then maybe it's just about cultivating more of that into your life, more time for that. So it might be, oh my gosh, you know, I loved that time I was on that holiday and I was with, you know, whoever, and it was, I just felt so at peace. Okay. So maybe you want to manifest a job that it, not you personally, or, but whoever, a job that allows you the freedom to travel more, to make that a one, a yearly mm-hmm. trip 
Mm. Or, you know, you can find, you can use your past experiences and your past happiness to show you what you want more of in your life in the future. So that can be another like really nice one. And then the last one I'll share is sometimes I like to do a manifesting meditation of my perfect day. So rather than looking at your perfect life, just think forward thinking of like, what would your perfect day be? Just maybe even a month or six months from now. Like, can you imagine if you just have the best day of your life? What would you do? What mm-hmm. would be happening within it? And try to get a really clear picture of that. And that can be something that you can manifest. Mm. Right. That's interesting because I think oftentimes, like, I don't want to know necessarily what my future is. And I don't mm-hmm. have particular goals that I'm really pursuing. I mean, I have some general goals, but nothing yeah, really yeah. specific that I need, I'm married to. And I like the idea of kind of not knowing what the future will bring. I'm not going to just sit back, you know, in bed with, with yeah. some chocolate and, and hope for the best, but I'm saying <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm working, but I like the idea of the unknown. So, so does this book also help? And I think you touched on it here, but this helps people who are really trying to just manifest the ability to be in the right mindset to manifest a general future that's bright for them as opposed to specific 100- things. Okay. you know, I think manifesting isn't the goals are the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. What manifesting is doing is make is it's changing your neurological pathways. It's making you think differently. It's changing your habits. It's Mm -hmm. making you feel better about yourself. It's encouraging you to embrace gratitude. It gives you tools to help you deal with rejection and challenges and obstacles And all of those things are going to make the life that you're already living feel better. And it's going to help you to thrive in whatever you're doing, whatever direction you take, even if you don't have those really specific goals. And actually, I love that. Like, I love that you're just like, hey, I'm just going to flow with life still in with that forward momentum. But I'm just going to see where, you know, where it takes me. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for appreciating my life choices. Um, But but I would say just and not to make light of this, but some people like, for example, to take the the, the most hackneyed example of this is a screenwriter who's terrible. Right. That's all they want to do. They write want to write a screenplay and and they show it to your friends or, and I have to read this screenplay and I'm and I have to say it's good and, and it ruins my month and it's horrible. <laughs> and I know from reading this that there's not a chance that they'll ever be a good screenwriter, no matter how much manifesting money. It doesn't matter. There's nothing to make them a good screenwriter. But yet that's all they want to do. Mm. And so if someone has that mindset and they they're like, oh, manifesting, this is great. I'm going to get this book and I'm going to manifest this. What do you say to that? What do you say? You're not going to obviously be able to speak to that person. It's not going to listen to you. But what do you say about that? The person who has something that has a misdirected goal they want to manifest, but in doing so, they will kind of, for lack of a better phrase, ruin their life. (laughs) Wow. I went, I went so I dark honest, so fast. I can honestly say I've never been asked that before. Um, That's what you're here I for. I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that question because I think who am I to say that someone's talent is, is could ever be misdirected? Oh, like, believe me, if you've read some of the screenplays <laughs> I've gotten, you would be able to say it. I've um, I've never come across, across it personally. And it, it's a really hard hard thing for me to answer because actually if somebody really really wants 
is so deeply passionate about something, you know, and okay, maybe they haven't got the God-given talent. Is there ways that they can at least improve or be better at it or learn from other teachers or, you know, practice to empower themselves to at least go to the next level? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's always a way to improve. I think it's such a rare circumstance, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that someone has absolutely no talent at all at something that they're truly, truly passionate about. Mm. Well, also, so my day job is... <laughs> Sorry, I, it's a good answer. I just, well, I really want to know which of your friends no, no. are screenwriters now. <laughs> I'm not friends with them. The person I'm thinking about, I specifically wasn't friends with, but I made the mistake of saying I would read their screenplay. I That's really the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't. Well, something that stands out to me about your example is that that I feel like for someone to embark on a manifesting journey, and this stood out to me about your book, is that innately self-awareness is asked of you. You need to be self-aware at every single turn. So I feel like the person who writes a really shitty screenplay has to be self-aware enough to realize that he or she's getting rejected and then therefore needs to implement change and evolve and, right. and all that stuff. So, yeah. yes. Well, that's a why much I- better answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> well, and another thing you touched on about talent. So my day job is I'm an opera singer. That's what a, that's this podcast was my pandemic project and it spawned into something out of control. But Incredible. What, thank you. But what I've definitely learned is that, you know, I went to school with very talented people. You know, talent is the kind of thing that tires you all. You audition to a school, you get into school, but mm. it's not necessarily the most talented people who make it and actually have careers no. singing That's opera, true also, you know? Yeah. It is no. the ability, it's a lot of it is passion. A lot of it is mm-hmm. visualizing, I guess, what they what they want with their life, yeah. how they yeah. You know, I was going to say, if anything, may, maybe Mike, I'm wrong. I'm I'm misguided because maybe the people mm. who are writing these terrible screenplays have the most motivation, because they're the most self delusional and the most <laughs> self unaware that they somehow, by manifesting, get these screenplays well, produced. Well, I'm not. Well, kidding. you know, it, I would say, yeah, it's it. Talent is half of it, but really, so, I would say the other forty nine percent is self-belief mm-hmm. because yeah. that self-belief is what drives you to keep going. It means yeah. that when it doesn't work out, you persist through it. It, The self-belief keeps you motivated enough to, you know, apply yourself and to work hard and to take risks. And so, yeah, I think that absolutely talent is a big part of it, but it's not everything because Definitely just as not. you say, if everybody talented was successful, we would be living in a very different world. You oh, know what's a, yes. The people who should read this book are people who are truly talented and think lowly of themselves. Yes. Because what we need to do is we need to weed out all the super motivated, untalented people (laughs) who are getting movies made now and get the really talented people manifesting their future so I can see a good film. That's what it's all about. What was the bad film this week? You recently, like you are scarred. He really is. He really is. I've been. You you think? Oh my god! I've been hearing about this screenplay for a long time. Okay. So, moving on. Do you think? And this was a Shandy's question. Do you think there are certain aspects of one's life that are quote unquote easier to manifest? And 
If so, would you suggest therefore starting in those departments? So the easiest, because it all comes down to your self-worth and your self-belief, the easiest places to manifest are the places where you feel most confident. And so some people will, you'll find that you naturally manifest good things in areas where you already feel really confident. So some people, you know, you, you see this cliche all the time of, people that are very, very successful at work. They have so much confidence when they walk into the office. They know themselves. They're proud of what they do, but they have terrible luck with relationships. Oh my God. I knew you were right? about to say that. And it's so yeah. true. It's so true. And, it's, and so, yeah. So the easiest place is obviously where um, you have the most confidence. But um, should you start in that place? I think, I think start wherever you want. Okay. I think, do you know, there's, I, we get, I get lots of these kind of questions, like, am I doing it right? You know, <laughs> should I do this? It's like, look at, right is what works for you. This is supposed to be, and we shouldn't take it too seriously. It's a great, it's a practice that's just going to make you feel good in all areas. It will affect all areas of your life. So just start wherever feels right for you. Okay. So next question. I, I feel like our questions are, they get really kind of like, psychological. And actually just quickly, cause it, it occurred to me, but then Andy dove in with this question about a terrible screenplay. <laughs> two things you touched on stood out to me. Uh, we've had two previous hot topic guests. When you talked about thinking of that memory where you're happy, I was reminded mm. of John Kim, who is a therapist who's written several books, but we had him on and he talked about how like he tied his love of motorcycles today to his childhood love of, of biking and that feeling of feeling free and joyous mm. and just like he's flying. And it just, for some reason, you saying that brought me back to that. It's sort of like this distilled version of what brings you joy yes. and working backwards. And the other thing was we've had Amy Chan on who wrote the book Breakup Bootcamp. And she talked about how truly to get over a breakup is to create new neuro pathways. You were talking mm. about just sort of changing the mm -hmm. chemistry, is it mm -hmm. the chemistry of your brain? Or yeah, the, chemistry. Yeah, the chemistry of your brain to, I guess, stop having these limiting beliefs. Anyway, mm -hmm. I just had to get that out because basically what you're saying actually touches a lot on, I think, psychotherapy. So mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, that yeah. stood out to me. Okay, so in your book, you describe meeting uh, the father of your child. I think your son is named Wolf, right? Yes. Yeah. Lovely cool. name. Okay. So I believe you said you were actually done with dating at the time. Am I remembering incorrectly? This was at the beginning of the book. I was, I had, yeah, I was very much single and I had just had so many toxic relationships as many people do as their twenties. I'm sure mm. lots of people relate to this. Um, yeah. And, and I just thought that that was it. <laughs> okay. So you, I guess my question is True or false? Because on one hand, you know, the the man you met became the father of your child, and but so you could claim that you manifested that reality for yourself. But then at the same time, do you believe in the adage, or sorry, adage? I think it's adage. Why did I say adage? Because it should be adage. <laughs> it's a reasonable mistake. Okay, the adage: you'll find it when you least expect it. How do you reconcile those two ideas? Step seven is trust in the universe. Manifesting is about knowing what you want and then letting it go. Mm. And so those ideas actually coincide beautifully. Okay. It's about this kind of knowing feeling. And, and you, everybody listening will have an example, which will help them understand where they'll go, I just knew that thing was going to happen. 
I went into that interview room and I just knew I was going to get it. Or I, you know, we we all know that knowing feeling. And when we're manifesting things that we want into our lives, we have to set this goal, set this intention, and then just be like, hey, I just know it's going to happen. And I don't need to worry about how or why. I'm just going to work on myself today, what I can do today to you know, whether it's put myself out there or focus on, you know, the power of self-love or improve my relationship with myself. And I'm not going to worry about when I'm not going to be waiting at my door for that person to walk past. I know they're coming and I'm just going to do what I can day to day. And so that really is, you know, the, you know, I say that that trust in the universe is like the glue that holds all the sets of manifesting together. Mm. Um, and it is really about this idea of surrender. You know, another misconception, you know, of manifesting is that it's about control, uh, but it's not. It's about surrender. In your experience, do you find overthinkers therefore have a harder time manifesting? I think so. Yeah. That energy of like desperation, like we know it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it is something, you know, okay. Have you ever been dating someone and either of you and the moment you start to just be like, actually, why am I, you know, let's say in the beginning of the relationship, you've been really like desperately into it and mm-hmm. they are just like, Meh. and the minute you just let that go yeah. and you just start to become in your power again their whole attitude changes. Now mm. you may you may have never said a single word to that person. You didn't go up to them and say, I'm changing my energy about this. <laughs> yeah. They just yeah. felt it. That's a great okay? example. Great That's a example. great example. Yeah. You don't, and you that, just believe it. If you believe yeah. it and you act it, then people yeah. will see that and treat yeah. you the way you are. And there is an energetic shift mm-hmm. that somebody, and it, and it must be an energetic shift because somebody else can feel it. And so really you've got to apply that kind of like confidence with manifesting. If you don't, if you're constantly thinking, oh, I need it. I need that, right. that you job have to, to come it. through. I need it. It's like, no, just believe it. And if you know that if it's not coming through, you know there's something better on the way. Right. Mm. It's like acting. Like you can see when someone's acting. You know, like yeah. a softcore porno. You're like, that person is definitely <laughs> acting. You know, then you watch like Daniel Day-Lewis. You're like, he's not acting. That's <laughs> he actually is happening. that character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would love to Thanks. see Daniel Day-Lewis in a softcore porn <laughs> and see if he can actually make me believe those lines. He could. You have the most interesting takeaways from this conversation. <laughs> well, it's a standard takeaway. <laughs> okay. So... My next question is definitely going to be, I think, the hardest one in that it's a little all over the place. But at the same time, I have no doubt that you've encountered skepticism along mm. these lines. So our, our, like I said, our listeners are very pragmatic people. And so this theme came up a lot. The ideas of realism, entitlement, and toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. So I'm lumping them together, all three of them, even though they're vastly different, mm-hmm. just in that they could be applied if this were like Mad Libs. Where's the line between manifesting and blank? So where's the line between yeah. manifesting and being unrealistic? The line between manifesting and being entitled to maybe something mm-hmm. you don't actually deserve or not talented enough in or aren't working hard enough for. And then mm-hmm. the line between manifesting and toxic positivity. So maybe not really working through your depression or your negative emotions or what have Mm -hmm. you. I know that's like 
not really even a structured question. And I just want to hear your thoughts on that idea. I think it's actually a really great question. Firstly, I think with manifesting and realism, the minute somebody says to me, I need to be realistic, that just says to me, you are still so limited by your fears and doubts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because even if at the first step, we're not even allowing ourselves to imagine things going spectacularly well. Mm. What does that say about us? That we don't even allow ourselves to dream it. Mm. Yeah, so I I do really believe that the limits of our mind are the limits of our reality. And what is the point of being realistic? I think that if we have a dream that is with, that, you know, manifesting is not about winning the lottery. Okay, that is impossible because that is just luck. That has nothing to do with you. We can we can manifest anything that is to to do with us making changes within ourselves that therefore influence what we experience. Mm -hmm. And so from that point of view, nothing is unrealistic. If we if if it at the end comes down to us and what we can change. Mm. I, I have to ask this because I know our, our listeners and our viewers are going to mm-hmm. ask this question, but you were on Raya, dating on Raya. Mm-hmm. That in itself is, mm-hmm. you know, says something. Yes. You are, uh, Charlene, you say it. I'm not, I'm not allowed to say it. Tell, oh. her, tell her what I'm going to say. You're stunningly gorgeous. Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we often get questions about leagues. So, yeah. you know. And um, the idea that, you know, you certain uncontrollable factors might contribute mm-hmm. to your chances of success. Right. Yes. So, so what do you say to the people who are going to say, well, you're a beautiful woman on Raya with, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of uh, opportunities in the dating mm-hmm. environment. What do you say to someone who doesn't have that? Yeah. Well, firstly, I totally understand that, mm-hmm. but what I would, and, and there's no denying it. Like I, I, for many reasons, I am privileged but that doesn't take away from the place that I was in and the place I'm in Mm -hmm. now and the transformation. And I hope that I've only used my privilege for good. I would just like to add, and I am very grateful for it, but I also know that I have been spent almost my entire life in the darkest mental state I could imagine. And I really did believe that I would be like that forever, but I worked incredibly hard on myself and within my career to make a really significant change. Mm. And that not everybody does that. No. So, (laughs) and also don't look at me for your example. There are hundreds of thousands of other people who have come from very different backgrounds to to my own who have unbelievable stories of you know their manifestation success Mm. you know my I'm very proud to say that my book's been in the Sunday Times bestseller for 24 weeks why because um people read it and it's making a change in their life and they're telling their friends so Mm. it absolutely works and don't just take it from me Mm. like I'm I am you know I like to say I'm a living breathing example of my seven steps but I am definitely not the only one good answer (laughs) thank you I was worried it's like like when Simon Cowell is like on American Idol and there's a real sob story who's about to sing and they're like oh I hope she's good (laughs) 
I so and, and sorry. Oh, sorry. And then I was going to say that last one you said, which was manifesting and toxic positivity, mm-hmm. is a, is again a really important point because people often say to me, "Oh my gosh, but I'm having a really bad day and I'm really worried now," you know, and then they start panicking. And toxic positivity is a very real problem. And manifesting is not about feeling good all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it's absolutely not. It's about understanding how to process your emotions with compassion and acceptance. It's about reframing your perspectives. It's about, you know, dealing with, you know, the hard times in life as best that you can. That doesn't mean brushing them away. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean ignoring them. There's a fine line, and I always say this, there's a fine line between processing your emotions and indulging in them. And only you know what that line is. And as long as you can say, look, I am just allowing myself to feel this, to process it so that I can let it go, great. As soon as you start to go into victim mentality and you're indulging Mm. in the negative emotions, then I think you need to give yourself a little talking to and change your perspective. Mm. And we can all have the power to do that as well. That's good. I mean, she gives a good answer. This is a good answer. That's what I wanted. Thank <laughs> well, you. good, because I fucked up a lot this conversation, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's 7 p.m. here, which is basically I, my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're so thankful. I mean, yeah, th- this worked out. I'm so thankful that, yeah, you, you are <laughs> clocking in overtime right now. All right. So I have one last question for me, just for the cynics mm. out there, total cynics, yes. no, no spirituality. They hate astrology. Mm. They don't believe in any of this stuff. Yeah, great. Can... <laughs> <laughs> Check. Um, can they still get a lot out of this book? This is who my book is for. Okay, great. You know, the um, the book, you know, it is so accessible. It is so practical. There is no mysticism in it. It is just an actionable, easy to read book that will change your life. And, you know, it's, it is for the, it is for the cynics. Right. I challenge anyone to read it and not feel they can make some positive change in their life. I mean, I'm, I am as skeptical as they come. And Mm -hmm. I did find, especially like I said, in chapter two, I, because I do suffer from some degree Mm -hmm. of, uh, imposter syndrome. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I did, it did stand out to me. And I'm one of those people that has dreams that I don't think I would actually pursue or because I, I do feel like I'm like, I'm not qualified. Oh, what Mm -hmm. if I fail? Like, I don't even like throwing myself a birthday party because I'm afraid people won't show up. So, so she's terrible. Yeah. But what she's I'm saying terrible. is that I am at the same time really skeptical. Maybe they're intertwined. Mm. Actually, are those, they do you are. think those traits are intertwined? Okay. Yeah. So, it's just a protective mechanism. Definitely. So that, yeah, I don't even throw the birthday party. Okay. So mm. question, we're going to let you go soon. I think we probably have around two more tips for recovering when what you manifested did not come to be. I think that this really speaks to step four, overcome tests from the universe. So whenever you're on your way to manifest anything into your life, this is probably the most like woo-woo woo that it gets <laughs> in the book, but it's really not because it does happen all the time and we're always experiencing challenges and obstacles. But because of the way I phrase it, it is the most woo. I'll say that now <laughs> for you skeptics. Um But on your way to manifesting whatever it is that you want, you will be faced, I think, with tests from the universe, which basically are asked, you know, the test is asking you, how worthy do you really think you are? Okay. So the easiest example is when you're manifesting your partner, 
Okay. Then you meet someone and you think, oh my God, they're perfect. This is the person I've been wanting to manifest. And you go on a date and it's chemistry and sparks are flying. And you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. They're the one. And then they ghost you. Mm. And five days later, you think, oh my God, what was that? I can't believe it. I really thought that I just manifested the one. This is a very clear test. How worthy do you think you are? Are you going to sit in that rejection and allow that to disempower you? Mm. Or are you going to be able to say, well, they were not the one for me. It doesn't matter how good that date was. Mm -hmm. If they couldn't follow through with respect and, you know, showing me that I am worthy of their time and effort, then it's not, it's not for me, right? So you always have a choice when you're faced with, you know, something not working out the way you want it. Do you allow it to, you know, put you off course and go, oh, forget it. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or do you say, right, that wasn't right for me. That wasn't, that, you know, the universe was protecting me in some way. Okay. And so- I'm going to continue and persist. And look at any successful person, what do they always have to do to get to where they want? Persist. Mm-hmm. Persist through challenges. Okay, I'm going to get really specific with the example you just gave, which I really liked, by the way, because I do feel that sense of frustration, even when a girlfriend is like, oh, you know, they do sit in that rejection a lot more and Mm -hmm. they hover on that instead of looking at why, like, thank God I got out of this sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. But for people who then question their own sense of reality, like, Mm. the you know, we all have that friend who met that guy and they were like, he's the one. And then he ghosts. And it's not just about like hovering on the rejection, but they tend to hover more on the fact that they're like, what does that say about me that I, that I thought they were the one. And then they start to question their own ability to properly gauge situations. Firstly, you just got to be kind to yourself because most people on the first day are going to give you the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like I always hear my girlfriend say, um, you know, oh, but they were so good in the beginning. It's like, yeah, of course they were. <laughs> Everybody is good in the beginning. Like, you, that isn't the judge. Like, you don't judge the whole relationship from the beginning. Yeah. Like, actually, this is the part you should judge the least because everybody is charming in the beginning. Not everybody. Some people are really not charming. But, you know, most people are trying to be charming in the beginning. Yes. And so first, it's just being a bit kind and compassionate with yourself, just going, you know what? Of course, I misjudged the way they felt because they were showing me something different. But I think, you know, what I always ask people to do is when you go to any date, instead of saying, oh, I really hope this person likes me, just reframe it and say, I really hope I like this person. Mm-hmm. Oh, that way yes. you start to seek out actual chemistry. Because when you're not, all we're doing is trying to make sure that we're not being rejected. And so we're so focused on them liking us that we're completely ignoring the, the signs and the actual feeling. And that actual feeling of chemistry isn't something that can be faked. But if you're not looking out for it and if you're not allowing your, the, space, the space to feel it and you're focusing more and if this person ticks your boxes, you know, and if you think they'd be a good fit and your mom would like them, you know, then you're not really gauging it. So, yeah. yeah. It's, oh. I think it, it's true. I think you should be selfish in the beginnings of a relationship. It's one of the few times in oh, life yeah. where you really could validate selfishness. It's like you, you just, if you go to a restaurant, you have like one good dish. You're like, oh my God, that was, that was so good. And every single thing you order after that is terrible and you get food yeah. poisoning. You just eventually <laughs> have to stop going to that restaurant. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? 
So. Exactly. And, you know, the person you spend your life with, you know, that's a big fucking deal. Yes. Can we not take it lightly? It should yeah. be that hard is, to find. It should, absolutely. They're going to shape who you become and the trajectory of your life. And every person that comes into your life changes it in, in, in some way. But the person that you're with, you know, that you choose to be with for life is going to make sure that you are on a completely different path. So, right. you know, you want to make sure it's on a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I lied. I, I have two more questions now. Sorry, you're just giving Ooh. such great answers and you're also very concise, which means that I'm able yeah. to get the more questions. <laughs> your, your fault. We're yeah, keeping it's you your longer. fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one is a real tough one and I had to reread it a few times. It was asked by a, a Shandy mm. and... I am not sure what direction you're going to take this in, mm-hmm. but okay, here it is. I did no more talking. Just I'll ask the question. How do you know if what you think you want is what will truly make you happy? Great. Oh, God, these questions, the shandies are on fire. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we know. <laughs> so when we start to look at what we want, we need to do is remove the noise. And the noise is, what we think other people want from us and what we used to want for for ourselves. And until we do those two things, we won't be able to understand what brings us joy. Because the first thing is, I mean, obvious, whether we want, we think that, you know, it will please our parents, our teachers, our friends, you know, even our children, whatever, you know, if we're, if we're seeking to impress or be validated by other people, then we cannot simultaneously be seeking out the life that is actually right for us and that will give us the most fulfillment and contentment. Mm. But the second thing, and I think that people often forget, is understanding that we are ever evolving and changing and that means that the things that we want change and sometimes we are so afraid of our own growth and expansion that we keep ourselves stuck with this idea we thought we wanted so you know when I was at school it was always my dream to be whatever you know a lawyer and so then as you start to get older and you see actually there's other job opportunities and you know there's you can actually make a career of anything. You might just be so afraid to lose that part of yourself that was so focused on being a lawyer. Oh, so and, true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we have to constantly, you know, and I say this a lot in, in the book, that letting go is a constant theme throughout the manifestation process. And it's very important in this first step is letting go of who you thought you should be or what you wanted that is no longer aligned with your future yourself or who you really are roxy you're good at this you're good (laughs) oh thank you very much thank you (laughs) okay final question if there's one takeaway you wish people or the shanties listening would take away from this conversation what would it be i think just that I truly know what it's like to feel so lost or to feel that your life is just not what you want it to be or that you're not worthy enough or that you can't possibly have everything that you want. And I feel it is my personal mission to make sure that everybody that hears me speak knows that they are worthy, that they are deserving, that they can have it all, and that the only person standing in their own way is them. So please, if you are listening, not only pick up the book, but know 
from me to you that you are absolutely worthy of all the abundance the universe has to offer. Mm. Mm, that's lovely. Roxy, what a delight you were. Thank you. Oh, and you too. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, we asked you some hard questions. We, we did. really did. Those were tough. We were a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you really, not that we were testing you or anything, but you really just passed with flying collars. Thank you oh, for such fantastic, you. specific and, and thought-provoking answers yeah. to our questions Thank today. you so much. I'm still cringing at the subatomic particles earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for saving me, and please don't judge me, anyone listening. <laughs> Anytime. And I appreciate the white top, by the way. Are you a Dear Shandy fan? Because I, I see that as an homage to myself. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. It was on purpose. <laughs> I think she's being nice. Is she? You'll never know. Are you being nice? <laughs> she's being nice. She's yeah. totally being nice. She's on a different continent. It was not an homage to your <laughs> Damn it. t-shirt. So talk about self-indulgence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I've honestly enjoyed this conversation so much. You two are just joyous. Oh, thank oh, you thank so much. You. We did too. Likewise, we really enjoyed this. We will let, we'll set you free and let you go to sleep now. Yeah. Thank you so much. across the pond. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Roxy. Thanks. Good night. Bye. Thank you so much, guys. Oh, man. Ooh. You know, I did not know what to expect out of this conversation. Yeah, me too. a big part of me thought this was going to go the way of the astrology episode. <laughs> the legendary astrology episode. <laughs> the legendary astrology episode. I did too. And what really stands out to me about her message, like you, I feel like you can interpret this as woo woo or not woo woo as you want. You can interpret it as like, you know, your, at your frequency, the universe or whatever, but really, even if you don't believe in any of that stuff, really what it comes down to is your sense of self, your sense of worth, and also your ability to implement these new beliefs, you know, like learn these new beliefs adopt these new beliefs, but then actually implement them. It's not just like wishing. I also think, you know, she mentioned subatomic particles and quantum physics, and yeah. I was like, getting into it. I was like, ooh, ooh <laughs> this is some science stuff. But you don't even have to believe in the science either. No. You don't believe in any of it. You could just believe in the words and the actions and the belief. Yeah, and this believing. is a lot coming from you, by the way, because yeah. full disclosure, like you... You are the cynic here. Oh, yeah. And I was ready to get my claws out on this one. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, when I first introduced the idea, because we have heard people mention manifesting here and there. We've gotten some requests over the years. It's not nearly at the level at the level of like mismatched libidos or having whether or not to have children, that kind of thing. But this has been sort of a subplot. Mm -hmm. And. I was really interested and intrigued by the questions we got from the Shandies, clearly, because they ranged from like, how do I manifest to that's bullshit. (laughs) And I don't know, like you really encapsulate the cynic about this. But I feel like even at the end of this conversation, you're like, to me, what I don't understand is what's the harm. You know what I mean? Like there's no harm in observing your own beliefs about yourself and being like, I'm not helping myself. Yeah, I was so impressed with her answers. Yeah. And I there was nothing. It was unassailable. Like I was just like, well, she wins. And I felt like a lot of the stuff she was saying, I could apply in my hugely cynical life. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, I know there's something good there. You know, I spent a lot of my life looking for like-minded people mm-hmm. who, uh, I guess, validate my 
way of thinking. We all do that, right? It's everyone's always looking for people to feel the way they feel and who they can bond with in that way. And therefore this book is foreign to me, but I will say that after having read it, like I do feel kind of inspired to, you know, she talks a lot about like self-limiting beliefs. I am fully aware that I have a lot of those and there are things that I wish I would do, but that I know fully number two, the fear and doubt, that is what's stopping me from doing those things. So I don't know. I, I don't see the harm in it. And I, like I said, I don't think it necessarily means drinking every ounce of the Kool-Aid if you don't want to believe in everything here. Well, it's I, about believing in yourself. Oh my yeah, God. No, oh, oh, you did it. It's, it's okay. I said it. You're it's believing okay. in yourself. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we'll get through this together. Okay. But there is a quote from her book that I want to share that stood out to me. There were several. I have a whole page of them, but this one stood out to me. She said, in truth, I spent an entire decade searching for evidence that I was a failure who was destined for unhappiness. The power to manifest had always been in me, but I'd been using it in the wrong direction. And I think a lot of us, and she even, you know, she validated my thought that maybe it was overthinkers. I think that I, I know I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I go into an audition and I'm like, I'm not good enough. And then I end up bombing the audition. Like it is all this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy and it can be in either direction. It's like, it's up to you to choose how you use those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought that was, you know, really interesting. I'm glad this guest came around now because I think it, I think it is good for you and me. (laughs) (laughs) I've already manifested everything I need. I'm perfect. You need this. No manifesting needed here. So again, the book is Manifest Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life by Roxy Nafusi. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to Roxy for joining us all the way from the UK. Roxy. Roxy. Oh my God, the I, name I was, I, on I, every... How did we lucky, not break into song sooner? for you, I literally, the second half of the whole podcast, <laughs> I was trying to think, what is the name of that? How does that song go? Oh my God, really? I was like, How, How could song? you not remember? I wanted to sing it. I wanted to sing it at some point and to I was her? robbed. I just wanted to bring it. I wanted to sing. I like that song, okay. but I don't remember it. The name That's on everybody's is. lips is gonna be Roxy. <laughs> it doesn't sound like someone is a smoker. <laughs> okay, okay. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you know what we will ask of you, and that is to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow us on Instagram and TikTok, leave us Apple and Spotify podcast ratings and reviews, and generally do all of the things that you would do to support a podcast you enjoy, and that brings on such lovely guests like Roxy. I'll do it again. Roxy. That was better. You You sounded less menacing that time. Not like a lifelong smoker. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye-bye.